My name is Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with talented and interesting individuals linked to the global Indian and South Asian community. It's informal and informative, adding insights to our evolving cultural expressions, where each person can proudly say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hi, everyone. On this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, we share a conversation with author, actress, and activist, Sheetal Shaith. Stay tuned. You know, as a pediatrician, it's truly the ultimate privilege to care for kids and their families. I'm always grateful and humbled by my interactions with kids and how much I learn from them with each age and stage. And speaking of grateful and humbled, thank you for listening and for sharing it with your friends and family, for rating and downloading and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and for following us on social media at Dr. Abhaydarnikar. So yes, there are certainly the happy moments of keeping kids healthy in body and mind, and there are also the times seeing children and families manage illness, navigating through struggles and loss. I, for one, certainly appreciate any of the vehicles or tools that may allow for strength and comfort in helping in this journey. So it was truly wonderful to catch up with actress, activist, and children's book author, Sheetal Shaith. Sheetal is a seasoned and acclaimed actor known for her range and depth of roles in film and television, particularly beginning her career in the 90s where few South Asian Americans were performing and storytelling. Moreover, her work as an ambassador for global literacy and as a children's book author, notably of the popular award-winning Anjali picture book series, which follows an Indian American girl finding her own light while navigating through normal life and tackling gender norms, bullying, and prejudice. The Anjali series recently was picked up by global publisher Penguin Random House. Sheetal's latest book, Making Happy, is a children's book that delves into her own experience battling cancer as the parent of young children, offering a sympathetic and supportive lens of coping with a parent's illness and how they found joy and resilience along the way. Sheetal calls it her love letter to anyone struggling, reflecting on her path through chemotherapy and processing a cancer diagnosis with her own family. We were able to catch up last month to talk about her experiences, and since I have conversations almost daily with children and their families, I was curious about Sheetal's perspective as she was doing author visits at schools and gatherings with groups of young readers. I love doing them. Um, it's for me like combining all of my favorite things because I yeah. love kids, I love writing, I love storytelling. I think with my background as an actress, I'm good at it. Um, yeah in front of a crowd and I'm, and I'm, and I've, you know, worked with kids my whole life. So for me, it's like all the, the good things at the, the same natural. time. So yeah. So yeah. I, um, I do hundreds of, of, uh, school visits I've done. I mean, I've done hundreds of school visits and yeah. so it's something that I, I do all the time. And so sometimes at one time there could be like 800 kids in an auditorium right. or sometimes I could be in a classroom with 20. It just depends how the school breaks it up. What's been the kind of biggest surprises from these so far? Have there been any sort of like, wow, that's that's one that I was not prepared for? I mean, I will say that kids always surprise you. And yeah. frankly, like that's what I love about it is the stuff that they think about, what they connect to, the questions they ask. They're always yeah. kind of keeping you on your toes, which yeah. is amazing. So there's never a time where I leave a school visit and not be kind of floored by something that some child has said. But the thing that I see every time consistently, which is what I like to tell people, and especially adults, is that they like talking about real things. And yeah. they are always 
we're like, thank God, like we can talk about a real, like when you have stories about real things and not to say that the books about animals and superheroes aren't cool, but when they can, when they can actually relate to a character going through a thing and it's a person and not an animal, um, it connects differently to them. And yeah. so, and, and they're always like, I wish I could talk about this with my, with my parents or with my right. teachers. And so it's really nice to open that up because they are curious. They're hearing things, you know, this with everything going on in the world, they're here at all. And they have a lot of questions. So we should be answering them. Yeah, they should not be absolutely. figuring out amongst themselves because you know what happens when that happens. So they need guides. They need adults to kind of help sort through all of the stuff. How do you separate sometimes your professional hat from your mom hat or do they just naturally merge when you're interacting in this way I mean I I, I don't know how to separate that because when I'm with yeah. kids I think of all of them as like my kids you know seriously yeah. like they're yeah. just the sweetest things ever so yeah. I always think about I mean look I do think that each child is different and you have to meet each child where they are obviously in a setting of like hundreds of kids I'm not going to know these kids in that way but I I'm pretty good at this point of knowing like work where when a question is coming why it's coming and trying to kind of meet them at what I think they're asking. I can usually figure out what the question is under the question. It's a pretty humbling experience in that, you know, and, and I don't think that uh, adults often walk into those kinds of environments in, in a situation where they're in fact sort of welcoming the amount of credit that it takes, in fact, to really give kids licensure for that. And you're right, like kids just you know, they're, they're not only just surprising all the time, but they're far, far more savvy about real conversation as opposed to the sort of stuff that's that's make believe. Have you been have you felt in that way, like some of these humbling moments, especially in the context of now writing several books? I'm always kind of reminded of the privilege that I have to obviously yeah. I, I, I fully believe it's a privilege to create any kinds of kids content because we are shaping the youngest and what I think the most important minds. Um, so I, I take that very seriously and I, and I take that to heart and I think about what I would want my kids to grow up with and what in the world that I want them to grow into. So I'm really trying yeah. to create littles that when their generation gets older, that hopefully the world is better than when we left it. Yeah. I imagine that the process of, of making happy must have felt slightly different than writing the Anjali series. In in some ways, was there a difference or or was it just sort of a natural flow of the next step of expression for you? You know, it was it, it I will say it was different. Well, look, all my books are personal. Obviously, Making Happy is extremely personal and like yeah. right out of my life. Um, and I wrote it actually, it came to me in in a dream. I woke up and I wrote the book. Obviously, that's not what it ended. Like it, then I then I made it better. <laughs> but I like I, I woke up with this like pouring out of me in the middle of the night. I wrote down the things that were in my head, and then the next day I looked at it and I was like, "This is the book." And yeah. then I had to figure out what the book was. the The book is so personal, and I think you do feel my heart in it because the messages that I have been getting from people have been that in the sense of like bringing up so many emotions for different families and to be able to read it with children. The thing that makes me the happiest is what I intended with it, which is really for kids to know that whatever feelings they have is okay. Yeah. And that there's no such thing as inappropriate feelings for a kid. I really don't think that. I think that it's our job to guide and help process what they're going through mm -hmm. and telling them to stop feeling a certain way 
is bad. I mean, you know, this is a, in my opinion, very bad parenting and and we're, we're inadvertently teaching them to suppress their feelings. And we know what happens when that happens. And so I think giving them tools to get through it is really important. And so there's not kid books that do this that much. And I know that because I was going through a difficult time. I had been diagnosed with cancer. My kids were two and four and I looked for books that dealt with anything. I said, I went to the store. I was, give me a book about sickness. Give me a book about serious illness, death, anything, grief. And, and it was really hard to find. And then I reached out to my publishing friends who I knew many. And I was like, what's the deal? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that stuff. I go, what do you mean? This is stuff that we're all dealing with. And so I was really floored at this idea that like, they think they're protecting our children and they're not. I mean, our kids have to do lockdown drills. So you're telling me that we're not able to talk about real things? You got to be kidding me right now, you know? And so for me, the book is about mental health and about being able to give permission to our kids to say whatever's on their mind. You know, that that idea of, you know, a catharsis in this way, right? I mean, did you feel any of that for yourself? This idea that you've gone through so much, this came as sort of an aha and a dream, and now it's sort of an expression of that. Was there some element of like, you know, real cathartic fulfillment for you also with this? You know, I had, when the book came out just very recently, a few weeks ago, I had my first big book launch public reading. And the book, you know, again, it's not an Anjali book. It's not, you know, um, it's a different type of book. And I really, like, hadn't read it out loud loud in front of a lot of people ever. And And I thought to myself, I better just, like, read it to myself a few times because I had a feeling it would be tough for me to get through. Yeah. And I couldn't get through it. I never got through it once before my, I read it a few, I tried many times and I couldn't get through it. Yeah. And I was like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And, and I will say it was hard to get through at my reading. And, but I took that as really, you know, I, I was surrounded by a lot of love, a lot of people in the room that I knew and I think, again, we went through a collective experience together and yeah. the book, every character in the book, Every there are scenes in the book that are named after and taken straight from people in my life that either have been touched by cancer or we lost from cancer. So all of it is so personal to me. So I think that's why. Um, But I think, again, that's such an important lesson. Like when we talk about like a lot of the kids there, when they ask, why did you write this book? Or they talk about their writing and they say it's hard. I'm like, just write from your heart. And they see an example of that. I'm curious about one thing. How did your own family, your own children respond perhaps when you read it to them for the first time, or they even read it for the first time? Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, they were so young that they don't really remember. My my two-year-old, who's now five, has really no memory of it. I mean, she vaguely remembers me with no hair because we talk about that sometimes, but there's no actual memory of that time. My my now eight-year-old, who was four at the time, remembers a little, but I think it's because we talk about it. And then when we read the book, they're like, is that me? You know, they're both like, is that me? <laughs> yeah. um, and so I, I feel very grateful to have the book to remind them of, of a time that we went through, because again, I don't want, there's no point in like shielding, shielding them and quote, right. protecting them from the world. I'm, I, I think it's made them so much kinder and empathetic and loving. And so I'm fine with them knowing that their mom got sick, but I got better and we all got through it together. Why is it that, you know, you found that there's this dearth and, and this absence or void of, of great sort of common literature or even, you know, friendly, open books to talk about these kinds of things? Why is it that we fear 
the idea of things that are painful or anxious or even questioning mortality or loss for children or for anyone for that matter as not a vehicle for, you know, more love and more sort of like giving in that way? Why do we think that it's going to have the opposite effect? Why are we fearful of that? I think it's because adults don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really it's do. a lot of projection. Yeah, I do. I think that they're uncomfortable. I think we are uncomfortable. I think that we don't understand it. I think, you know, it's fascinating because most of the, again, kids, you know, model behavior, they model feelings. You see, how often do you see a child have what a parent would call a tantrum or a fit? And their immediate response is like, just stop it, just stop it, just stop it, right? As opposed to what I remember, my daughter's preschool teacher, it sticks in my mind all the time. She said to us, just remember, they are not giving you a hard time. They are having a hard time. Yeah. And really, that has really helped me. Now, I have my moments, but um, we all do. It, right. it really helps frame it, right? Like our yeah. kids are just go through, like, let's figure out what the heart of what this, why are they feeling that way? You know, and if we approached things like that and taught kids and all of us to approach situations with like, I wonder what's going on with them, right? Come at it with love. Yeah. Imagine how different the world would be. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with author Sheetal Shaith. Stay tuned. Conversation. It's the antidote to apathy and the catalyst for relationships. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with global Indians and South Asians, so everyone can say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. New episodes weekly, wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Lily Singh, and you're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with children's book author, Sheetal Shaith. We talk a lot about adverse childhood experiences and and so much of the kind of innate trauma that so many adults have gone through that now sort of affect how their behaviors are. Has the writing of this book, or even the sort of understanding and appreciation for you of the process of it, even sensing that. Has that changed your own sense of parenting and your own instinct in parenting? You know, as you know, parenting is like on to the job training. (laughs) And so, and the learning curve is what it is. Like you just deal with what happens. But but I do think, I do think it is very instinctual. And I do think there's, what I have noticed is there's a lot of conditioning that I didn't even realize I had from my upbringing that that isn't necessarily serve me or my family now. And so I've really had to rethink things that sometimes I say, I'm like, I just say that or do I, I don't even believe that or why am I even doing that? And so I've really had to rethink a lot of the stuff that has been taught to me, right? With by no fault of my parents. I also think like at least my situation, which many of us have, our parents were immigrants and they were just trying to get through the day. The EQ was not something that, they were equipped to kind of guide us through. And so I think our generation very differently approaches things in a more holistic way. And so, you know, many of the, of my parents' generation rolled their eyes a little bit when we, when I, when I talk about that, but, but I really do feel like, like I tell my parents, like my kids are different. You cannot discipline them different, say the same. You cannot teach them the same. They're different, but they, but they, it's hard for them to conceptualize, to even conceptualize that because they didn't have those conversations in India, nor did they, like, that's not what they were, they were doing, you know, when they were raising yeah. their kids. 
Yeah, I mean, that that was the sort of more silent conversations that they may have been having, but definitely not out in the open. And in that same vein, right, I mean, there's a, a very important sort of brown or South Asian component to all of this, too. Did you find any sort of community among other authors or storytellers of color, um, particularly in the South Asian community, when you were sort of going through the the idea or the concept of of even bringing this out in the open? Well, I think the the resounding when I when I was first diagnosed, it was interesting. I mean, I was kind of dealing with my own process of it. Yeah. But it was interesting how many. And again, we know this in the South Asian culture how taboo illnesses, mental yeah. health, all of those things. And there was a contingent of people that were like, "You should really just keep this to yourself." Hmm. Um, why? Why? Why so? You you think like just again that same sort of like, "Hey, this is the way we've always done it." I think that there, you know, I, I joked at the time that, you know, how back in the day, I mean, I know it still happens a little, but like the bio data of, of, a, of a person is what's on paper. And on paper, if you have cancer, that would be a mark against you, right? Like if you sure. had a serious illness in you or your family's life, that's it's like, your fault. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's your fault. And I don't know if I want to marry into that family. Right. right. Because it's a mark against you. Yeah. So I was always joke. I'm like, oh God, if I was in India and part of that time, like, who knows? I might not be marriageable anymore, you know? And so I think there's just, again, all these things that are conditioned in us that we don't even realize. Yeah. Yeah. When, when the kind of licensure then of people seeing how almost liberating of an experience this is, have you found others who have been like, wow, Sheetal, man, I, I really appreciate that. It sort of sparks and ignites more and more openness amongst not only the community of creators, but just, you know, folks in general. I think it's important. You know, I, when I was going through treatment, I didn't talk about it publicly until I was ready to talk about it because I was going through my own kind of process for it. Um, And then when I did talk about it publicly, I remember um, it was about six months after I was diagnosed and I was in the heart of chemotherapy. So I had lost all my hair, but a lot of people didn't know, you know, what was going on with me. And I remember I had gotten a request to do, to shoot the cover of a magazine and it had gone through my reps and my rep sent it to me, asked me if I was interested. And I was reading what they wrote and I called my manager and I'm like, I don't think that they know that I have no hair <laughs> just from right. like the way that they're writing to me like I there because all the vision boards and like the inspirational pick like the ideas they had for the shoot I was like yeah I'm not gonna look like that like I don't think that they realize that I have I'm bald and then yeah. I'm actually going through chemotherapy and they said well what do you want to do and I said I said I'll do it if they let me be me and I'm yeah. not gonna wear a wig and I'll just wear my just be bald and if yeah. we can celebrate that as also feminine. I think that's a really important message to put out there, especially for Indian women. You know, hair is a thing for us. It was a thing for me. It was really hard to lose my hair, but to to embrace femininity in a way that isn't connected to that, I think is so important. And so we, and they actually, kudos to them said, absolutely no problem. And we did. And that cover is so, I think, iconic for a lot of South Asian women, because you've never seen the cover of a magazine with like an Indian woman with no hair. Yeah. You know, and so that was really I was really proud of that, that they that they agreed to do that. I wonder if like the layers of authenticity just need to get magnified that much more. Right. So like, you know, look, this is what cancer looks like. This is what parenting looks like. This Mm -hmm. is what it's like to actually share these conversations with your kids and granting ourselves a little bit more, you know, openness to be able to actually look at people who 
are going through real things, mental health, mental hygiene in those situations, rather than the kind of highlight reel that we always see on social media. 100%. I mean, I think that's the stuff that people connect to is the authentic, like, like the joke of as a parent, like, can you get as a as a mom, can you get a moment to yourself? I mean, I can't even close go take a shower without my children coming in. I'm like, just give me three minutes. There are five other adults outside. But still, it's got to be me. And it's got to be be you. And I, and I always say, is it an emergency? Well, I'm so hungry. I need a snack. You know, the idea, like, it's so funny. And it, and, and again, those are the things that people relate to because we yeah. all we all deal with it. Yeah, yeah. In those parenting moments versus like, hey, you know, what's it like to have to be a parent when you're nauseous? You've got, you've just yeah. gone through chemotherapy and, yeah. you know, your kids are asking for the same things. It's not like puppies and rainbows all the time. No. <laughs> No. You know? no, and they're two and four. I mean, I will tell you, yeah. it was really hard. I had a double mastectomy. Yeah. I was not allowed to hug my children for like six months. Try to tell that to a two or a four-year-old. Do you think that now that your kids are older, now that you're talking to more and more children in schools and they're looking at these stories, do you think it's going to make a, a difference once the children realize this, that their parents are having aha moments also? I think so. Yeah. I think that um, it goes both ways. And I and but I do think that it's important for kids to see their parents as humans. You know, yeah. this idea of like when we get older and we start to get to know our parents as people is a rite of passage, I think, sometimes as a child. But I think the earlier you can do that and for them to see, you know, see what a relationship looks like, what a partnership looks like, that some days are hard, that some days are, are good. And, you yeah. know, all of those things, just so they know that this is life, like they need to see that. You know, I imagine that a lot of artists and actors and authors and creators are are so drawn to storytelling, which clearly has been a talent and a gift for you. I'm curious if there's a different level of empathy that's involved in each different area of expression. So like this is very different from, say, the acting arena, or yet is it, there actually quite a lot of similarity there? You know, there is a lot more similarity than you would think. And it's because at the end of the day, for me, it's about telling stories. And so what was interesting is writing, a lot of it was the same process as me getting into a character because I'm creating characters, I'm creating worlds, I'm creating stories, and I need to do that for all of the roles that I play. So there's quite a bit of um, similarity in at least my approach for, because at the end of the day, I'm telling stories and I have the privilege of creating characters that then I put out into the world. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with author Sheetal Shaith. Stay tuned. Every story told is a lesson learned, and every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share conversations with global Indians and South Asians so everyone can say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. New episodes weekly, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello, I am Odyssey dance artist Bijoyani Satpathi, and you are listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing with Abhay Dandekar. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with Sheetal Sheth. Do you think that the empathy you have for um, kids and families or the empathy you have for a character you're portraying has to, you have to prepare any differently in there, or is that also kind of a similar um, lane? That you it's have very to similar because you really have to put yourself in that person's shoes, literally, sure. to write it or 
to be it, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm in my books, I'm writing it. So, and it's funny as an actor, it's so funny. You always want to be like, I want to talk to the writer. Like, what did they mean by this? So for me, in that case, I'm doing both. Yeah. Has, how's that felt? I mean, in the sense of for you to be able to now create more and more stories for children and families, a very specific, unique audience. And in the same way, some of your roles where you're portraying or, or in South Asian stories, do you feel like this? these are sort of naturals for you? Like, you know, it's not sort of a, a heavy lift. I mean, I find all writing to be really hard. It yeah. does not come easy to me. Sure. I just think, and most authors will say that, like, it's just hard. Yeah. But I will say I write about real things. And yeah. so in terms of ideas, I have many ideas. I have pages of ideas. But sure. then getting that idea, you know, executed in a way that you feel confident that can you know, obviously be a story is a whole other skill. You know, my whole life, it, it's so, you know, I always joke that like I started in this business when Brown was not cool. Yeah. And in the nineties, it was a very different experience being an actor, much that most people don't realize and that we don't talk enough about because I think it's important to know where we've come from. And so I've always been really proud of where I come from and I've always kind of been very outspoken about who I am and where I come from. And so that's never been, like that hasn't been an issue for me. You know, I've always been very kind of clear and centered about who I am. You know, I talk about how people wanted me to change my name. It was constantly coming up. That was never a question for me. We have many colleagues that have. Fine. Everyone's, you know, path is different. But like those things, they always just made me sad because I was like, really? That's really how you look at the world? But I never subscribed to it. And so I think a little bit for me has been, I've taken a different path maybe one that doesn't seem as bright and shiny as some of some of the other people who do what I do, but it's always been very authentic and yeah. very much staying true to who I am. And, and I wonder if there's, if there is any different nuance to storytelling, particularly for a South Asian and for that matter, a South Asian American audience, because the experience is still evolving. It's not sort of uniform. There isn't sort of a one size fits all at all. Well, we're not a monolith. Yeah. And I think that that's the issue is that what happens is in terms of media is that, and we're still, I mean, it's gotten better, but when, when, when the majority of people green lighting or buying are white, they're looking at kind of us as like, okay, well, we got the Diwali book. We yeah. got the Holy book. We got the Mandy book. And you're like, you know that we don't just sit around in saris and bindis all day. And that was really, I mean, that's what started me writing the Anjali books because I was looking for books for my kids. And I was like, do they know that we like go to school and play instruments and play sports and do all the same things? I was so kind of taken aback at like the only books I found were based on cultural experiences or holidays or religion. And again, that's because, and interestingly enough, when I was selling my Anjali books, many of these big publishers were like, it's not Indian enough. Yeah. And I would say, well, why? What, what does that mean to you? Because their idea of what being Indian is, is that they want us to teach as opposed to just let us be. Mm-hmm. And that has always been something I found with my books, with my movies, with everything. And I have no interest in teaching you that I have a right to exist in this planet. I'm right. just going to be me and you can come along for the ride and you will connect because guess what? I grew up watching all the same movies that you were making and I connected because at the end of the day, these are universal experiences. And so the specific comes from the universal. And so, I, you know, I, it's still it's still happening. I mean, I joke for even sure. now. I'm like, do they know that our 
that we don't just have like every, everything I see are like about weddings, arranged marriages, you know, it's like still going through the same kind of narratives that I'm kind yeah. of bored by and I really yeah. want to get past, but you know, and it's not about not having them. It's about having enough room for all of the stories. Sure. Sure. And, and I mean, when people ask that question, like, you know, Hey, it's great, but it's not Indian enough. Does the reaction now get, somehow get better just because there's more content out there? Or do we just have to keep, you know, answering in the same way? It's just like, well, it doesn't matter if it's, if you don't think it's Indian but, but, enough. But, but, you, but, but the thing is not everyone answers in the same way. Uh, and so I think in our community, right, yeah. there's, and, and, and that's good. Like we all have different points of view and we all come at it from a different way. I, I feel that I am not the majority. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of, and, and, and there's a lot of um, benefit in, in, in uh, people would say, well, just get the thing made, get the thing made. And then the next one, you can do that. Fine. Right. You know, there's, there's a lot of um, truth in that, sure. but it's just never been the way that I have operated. You've been, like you said, you know, you're, you've had a front row seat to this and an actor for many, many years now. Yes. Um, and, and I'm wondering if you think that, again, that same kind of lack of or presence of institutional memory in American media, in Hollywood, that builds. So like, it sounds like from what you think, it, it's not been sort of building from one step to the other. And perhaps the same kind of successes and challenges and questions are kind of perpetuated whether it's like from the 90s or now? Well, I think it's also because as a community, I think we're new. We're a newer community, right? Like yeah. in terms of when we came to the country, we didn't come here till the 60s or 70s. So we're right. still like, you know, two, three generations and some other communities have been here longer. Yeah. And I think that we are not as organized as some of the other communities have in terms of having institutions and groups and, and people who like do the work. You know, sure. I think we're starting to see that. And I'm involved in many of them, but they haven't been around for that long. And I think there's just a lot more work to be done in that in that way. When you think and reflect a little bit on your books and the Anjali series and now Making Happy, what, what makes you optimistic about our community and kind of the work that you're doing? And in some ways, not just optimistic, but proud. Well, I, there's a, th there's, what's nice is to see that it doesn't, I hope from what I've heard and what I've seen in the industry, because the books have done so well, is that they're not considered just for one community. And at the end yeah. of the day, that's the point is that when, you know, I was just at a book festival two days ago and kids just were like, oh, my God, that's such a beautiful book. And they just pick yeah. it up. They don't care. They just yeah. want a good story and they want to have fun art. And at the end of the day, they will connect to whatever mess, whatever piece of that story it is. And so there is no such thing as boy books and girl books. There's no such thing as yeah. books for Indian children or books for Latin children or whatever. Like now, do I think it's important to have every community see themselves as the hero of books? hundred percent. And that's important. Um, but at the end of the day, the stories need to be good and they need to matter and they need to be read by everybody. With you now wearing you know, so many hats and succeeding in a lot of areas. First off, that, that's awesome. I, I love this idea of, you know, the stories are, are meant to be universal because the, the aspects that they're speaking about are universal. But now that you've had sort of success in a lot of different um, arena of art and expression and storytelling, do you see yourself as a, as a role model? Do you embrace that? I've never really like, I've never connected to it in the way that I think people mean it. Sure. But 
I'm super proud of the work that I do and I'm unapologetic about it. And a lot of times when I write children's books, it's different. But when I started out in the 90s, I was doing movies that had never been done before and they were way ahead of their time. And I was playing characters that especially the South Asian Asian community were not ready for and unable to digest and they were very uncomfortable with. And many of them felt were inappropriate. Sure. Whereas I were like, it's an, we need to be talking about these things, you know? Yeah. So in terms of, you know, LGBTQ um, communities, in terms of having a hard time with your parents, in terms of mental health, in terms, I mean, I have, I, the, when I look back at my movies, I'm so proud at the breadth and depth of them. Yeah. And also that we did them at those times. Now they were ahead of their time, but I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of much vitriol where people yeah. have, you know, said many nasty things to me because of the work that I've done, but I have never wavered from being very proud and unapologetic about the roles that I choose to do. And in some ways, do you find that because there's some vanguard element to this, because it's sort of more of a a pathfinder or trailblazing, if you will, um, that that's the natural byproduct of it, that people will either see that like, wow, what a great, you know, trailblazer or role model here, or that there's also some, I wouldn't say risk, but that's that's a natural reaction to it. Maybe. You know, I wish that um, people didn't necessarily have as much vitriol as I've experienced. Maybe yeah. it is. Maybe it's inevitable. I don't know. I just, I again, if we come at it, like I say, with, with the sense of like understanding and this idea, it's like the, the, the way you choose to receive something is really up to sure. us. Yep. And so I think this all just circles back to our conversation of like, what are we missing and what yeah. we're teaching our kids? Because then when we're adults, we see the same mistakes repeat themselves. Well, hopefully all of these things are, are resonating for so many young people, parents, uh, multi-generations. Sheetal, thank you so much for, for joining us today. What a treat. Thank you. Thank you. I so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much, Sheetal. And Making Happy is available everywhere. So please check it out along with Sheetal's other books. Please remember to help support breast cancer screening and awareness, as this is a particularly rising trend in the global South Asian population. So start the conversation with your healthcare provider and get support for early examination and screening. Till next time, I'm Abhay Darnikar.